Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's own Christopher Schmidt. Now on today's show, we welcome Peter Noel. Peter is an independent designer whose clients include Apple, Flinto, and Shop. Peter is also the creator of Sketchmaster, which is a great video course for learning Sketch. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. Make plans for CSS DevConf 2017. It's coming up fast this October, October 9th to the 11th. It's just it's more about CSS. It's about uh, topics like web components, React, animation, Webpack, and so much more. So grab your tickets now and learn from Chris Coyer, Wes Boss, Mina Markham, Harry Roberts, Estelle Weil, and so many other great speakers. It's all happening in New Orleans again this October. Tickets are on sale at cssdevconf.com. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by yours truly. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. Speaking of email, set it forget it with the Non-Breaking Space Show Newsletter. So whenever a new show is ready, have it show up in your email box. Just sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Of course, you can find show notes and links discussed in today's episode at nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for telling others about Non-Breaking Space. Now, on with the show. So you wanted to talk about, um, I was kind of excited to uh, to see that you wanted to go over like uh, advanced workflows and kind of techniques and stuff that, mm-hmm. that go beyond the basics because I feel like that has been what has motivated me most, uh, mm-hmm. like to create training and write articles and stuff like that. Right. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, maybe some of the things that you uh, that you want to cover or that like you want to ask me about. Um, and I'm happy too i like it's i'm mostly at your uh your like your knowledge because i feel like i'm not a sketch expert and to be honest like i just realized my sketch was out of date like two weeks ago <laughs> so uh decided to go update it because i was uh using the sketch uh mac app store version yeah and i was like man this is really kind of old and out of date it's been a while <laughs> and then i realized like oh wait i totally totally ignored all the warnings to go yeah, to download yeah. it so i actually i'll skip for now yeah, yeah. skip for now and then i came back like oh i'm really out of date i'm like that made me feel sad that i missed that <laughs> but also i felt happy because i felt like oh wow they've actually been pouring a lot of new things into sketch yeah i've been missing so i'm kind of like at your like where you want to go in terms of what the advanced features are and what people should know but sure. but you know for me i feel as though uh, you know, as someone who's been trained on Adobe products forever, uh, and Adobe's you know been around forever, uh, yeah. you know, also I'm at a disadvantage again because I really gravitated towards Photoshop uh, in my you know in my younger years, and so I know Photoshop pretty well. I can go in there, I can get what I need done, and get out yeah. faster than I could Illustrator, and so I'm kind of glad Flash didn't survive because I felt like. I should have just gone to Illustrator, done Flash, and I would have like had this great career. Yeah. But uh, but uh, but now like the like no researchers with SVG and all that, and but uh, you know they're they're all and I'll mention this later on. But uh, you know there's always been a kind of application that says like oh this is going to be the Photoshop killer, this is going to be you yeah. know the the application. And it feels like sketches is hung around the longest yeah. of all those. So. Yeah, it definitely, it like a lot of people, I think a few years ago, there were just so many articles. It was like sketch versus Photoshop. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, it seems like people have kind of gotten on with their work, which is really what we should all be just doing. Right. <laughs> um, like it doesn't really matter quite as much. Um, like there's still things that, that I jump into Photoshop for occasionally or things that I jump into Illustrator for occasionally. And mm-hmm. um, like there's never going to be a silver bullet tool. Um I think like especially digital designers because we're we're making things that are that are software uh, and and like we're very focused on the tools that we're using and it really doesn't matter quite as much um, it's it's easy to obsess over it but you know there's there's really 
and, and like one thing that one thing that I've I've thought a lot about is uh, um, so I did some work on Flinto uh, on on I helped design uh, the the original version of Flinto and the designing a design tool is really a, kind of a fascinating challenge. One of the things that it really makes you think about is like to what extent can we create a tool that allows you to design uh, or prototype like things that haven't been made yet, haven't been like things that we don't currently see. It's easy to say like, oh, well, like we'll spring load like a a, a bounce animation or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start thinking about like, well, when when Apple came out with iOS seven, how did they prototype background blurs and some of the some of the new things that they were doing? Well, they actually had to like code that because no prototyping tool, no design tool was was like made. It, no design tool had those features. So, like, how much do our design tools just kind of like keep us creating the same thing? Right. Um, and 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 to that extent, like, you know, should we be quite as uh, quite as like religiously married to just like thinking this is the workflow, this is the tool, this you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there's definitely like this uh, like fish in the fishbowl type of feel for designers. Like, whenever there is a new at least for a while, like whenever there was a new uh, Apple redesign of their site, you know, within three months, you could see those design effects and yeah. and, and websites. And so it was got kind of annoying actually. To, yeah. to, and, uh, you know, and I was guilty of it the same as everyone else was, but, but yeah. So when you're, I can definitely feel like, you know, if you live the tool, you start designing with the traits of the tool coming into your work. And so I feel like yeah, that's definitely a part of it. So, um, but yeah, so that's yeah. also like another reason why I'm really happy that Sketch is around is because it feels like, oh, wow, we're really kind of breaking out of of like this palette syndrome that Adobe has, you mm-hmm. know, of just like tabs everywhere and so like that too. Just add, more, just add another palette. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, it just, and if I mean, to me, it feels just like, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot more options too, but just like as any design tool, but it just feels like almost more dashboardy type of, type of feel to it where I can... Yeah, like, it feels like almost like a, uh, uh, I guess a sports car, and it feels like, right, uh, right, right. Yeah, but, one or two fewer things, but uh, the things that it does, it does a lot mm-hmm. faster. <laughs> right. um, uh, I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective on training. You, mm-hmm. you, uh, you were one of the creators of uh, Front End Masters, right? No, or, no, not, no, no. One, uh, what was that? What, am I confusing it with something else? I'm so sorry. No, it's all right. No, yeah. So do we uh, we did Environments for Humans, which is which is uh, okay. an online um, conference okay. uh, company. So we so we've we've done a lot of like for five, six, seven. I don't know how many years. Many years uh, we did conferences every month uh, about different topics. So like one month would be like CSS, uh, then be JavaScript. Uh, you know, then we. Do content strategy accessibility, which is great because uh, we, and I totally love it because I, I feel like I'm more of a generalist in a, w- a lot of ways. Because yeah. I get this, yeah. I, I, you know, I love content strategy, I love making sites accessible, I love uh, CSS. You know, CSS is my like my because my main passion because I just feel like I love design and I love uh, computers and I love the web. So I just you know, I love people shared shared passion there. Yeah, and so <laughs> uh, uh, so I just I just love everything about the web and I love. People who are specialized, and I love people who aren't. You know, yeah. webmasters web, or whatever. And so, uh, UX. You know, we did we did UX stuff. So, um, but recently, like, so I've we kind of like, but uh, I just got kind of burnt out <laughs> talking to everyone. I guess we're doing a conference yeah. every month, and uh, we still do uh, CSS DevConf, which is happening right. in um, in October. And so, uh, and so we so we love that. And that's also kind of like a community based one because that's the double blind voting on sessions. And so we feel like that's where uh, the content is, I guess, more king, if you will, there. So, yeah. um, and so that's that's what we love about that one. But uh, so we should try to um, um, wind that down, what, uh, the online stuff. And so, uh, actually, been working with front end masters, I guess, since April. Okay. And so, as uh, like uh, working on their publishing um, stuff and trying to hopefully, uh, you know, help help them polish. Some of the content stuff and get courses out, you know, sooner and later, and then also kind of help them, you know, with it's it's sort of the same thing I do 
for E for H is just that I do a lot of different things, but I'm able to spend more time polishing <laughs> on them and some of that too. So yeah, so, yeah. yeah. But yeah, cool. that's great. Yeah, so so you're no you're no stranger to kind of like what it takes to get good uh, good training and good content out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it takes. Yeah. yeah so I mean, yeah, I mean, we talk about your courses, but yeah. So like training is very tough, and um, I've seen a lot of people. Last speakers, I think at one point we ha- we've had, uh, I think over five hundred speakers that we've seen like uh, throughout the, our throughout E4H. So. Uh, we've seen seen a lot of, of really like uh, a wide range of styles yeah. of terms of people yeah. over there. So, um, so so what are your thoughts on like training for the web? The well, I haven't done, I haven't created training so much for the web. Um, uh, I think that you know one thing that I've one thing that I realized is and 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 that I I would definitely want to talk about is the we live in a time of like 99 cent apps and free mm. apps. And then we also, uh, and like free medium articles and free YouTube videos. And, mm-hmm. you know, then there's stack overflow. And like so many of us are either fully or partially self-trained. Right. So, um, there's like a reticence to, uh, to spend money on, on like developing ourselves through actual workshops or like, and maybe an, an online course that's like specialized in one thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of funny cause it's, it's more just conditioning than I think actually where, where the values of most professionals are like we, we all, um, so I took when, when I learned front end development, I took a, a 10 week, um, course on it and, God, I can't imagine how long it would have taken me to figure out all of those things um, or, you know, to train myself on all those on my own. I would have had to figure out from a hundred different sources, like what should, what I should learn and then learn it. And then like, who's there to help me when I mess up. And, um, and so there's like my, one of my um, kind of beliefs about training is, is there's like it makes sense for there to be a lot more information out there for free, but also there's just still immense value in like really good training, whether it's on person or, uh, or online. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's so easy to kind of forget that because our time is really valuable. And when somebody guides us through saying like on this specialized topic, like here's exactly the stuff that you should learn and here's where you're probably going to mess up. And here's the, Here's the way you can get around that, like not trying to sugarcoat mm-hmm. that. Um, there's a lot of training out there, unfortunately, that uh, that tries to make it seem like this workflow for anything yeah. <laughs> is really smooth. Yeah. And it rarely is, whether it's web or design. Um, and so for for my courses, I really wanted to focus on like um, – what are the things that are going to, what are the gotchas? Um, and what are the, uh, you know, you can oftentimes you can create a design or you can build something on the web in, in a few different ways and it's going to look the same, but it might uh, respond a little differently and it might have repercussions later when you try and add on to it. And, uh, and so getting those, getting like a comparison. So for example, in sketch, there are a few different ways to use images, uh, in your designs. Well, like let's compare those up front and then figure out like, well, based on what we're designing, this is going to make the most sense. But if you want to have control over that, then you're going to have to use a, a different uh, approach. And like, it's really the same with, with front end. Um, but the it's, it would be far easier to just kind of create a tutorial that says, we're going to make an app here's how you do it. And then like, here's how you bring an image in. Boom. Well, you know how to bring images in. And it's like, uh, like design isn't always creating the same thing. Like it's not always creating the the music player or the Twitter app, you know? Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of kind of, uh, exploring the, uh, the tough bits. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Cause like, uh, um, I've only been with uh, front end masters, you know, full time for a few months. And so I've, I've, you know, I did or, or, or sat through, uh, I think about like uh, over, I think about 20 days worth of workshops. 
Yeah. And I feel the quality that you get is one, of course, you get the, you know, it's not just a 45 minute uh, session, you know, like you get a conference or what, like a conference talk or whatever that, yeah. uh, you know, and which is what we, you know, did for E4H is just a lot of, you know, we do content summit, but it'd be like, you know, 45 minutes a day. We, we did used to do online workshops back in the day uh, several years ago, but just didn't think we could uh, uh, do it. But uh, one of the things I liked about front of masters is that one, you get more of a, a deep dive into a topic, but also it's the Q and a aspect of it that happens um, as, as a, yeah. like as a teachers go through and say uh, like, you know, a student has a, has a question about what they're, what's going on or, or like once I like, well, why don't you do this? You can say that, and you know, those type, I think that's where like the real knowledge comes in and say like, yeah, like wh- why are you doing this? And, and, and basically that'll just saves me time and money pretty much, you know, by knowing, you know, yeah, knowing where the pitfalls are and, and, and the rationale behind the choices that you made. And so, yeah, definitely there's, there's, there's just a lot of like, good to your point about the, a lot of free tutorials out there and, uh, and uh, people kind of, ex- and I feel like, you know, that's just the nature of the web from, for some, yeah. for some reason, just like, you know, we want to share, share knowledge and our industry is very unique uh, to other industries where we share knowledge just so easily. And, uh, you know, you can point that to a uh, view source for a browser, always being in the browser, like being in the browser. Yeah. But uh, I think it's just also the nature of, of the web being free. But also at some point, you know, there's got to be someone has to put like some serious, you know, thinking behind a tutorial. Yeah, and well, that's uh, really that's really it. I mean, the it, it's also like you can make a quick little explainer of something that you did, uh, but if if you're going to figure out the best way to do something, mm-hmm. uh, and you want to really dive, you know, do a lot of research and like this last course that I put out, uh, which is a it's more advanced. It's about sketch and SVG workflows. I did, I spent eight months making it because I was determined to figure out the best way of doing every workflow and getting, getting to the bottom of questions that had always plagued me. Like what's, what's all, what what are all of those little tags and attributes and stuff at the top of an SVG? When do I need them? When can I delete them? Um, And like, there are a couple of little stack overflow conversations about it, but they're not definitive. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I haven't seen anybody publish research about like, well, I just tested, you know, 20 different browsers and I just talked to people who develop the, who engineer the browsers. And, uh, and so like I did that and I wrote that article and, uh, or like there were some optimizations that, um, didn't exist in any SVG tool. And so I mm-hmm. built my own optimizer and, it was, it was like, that's the level of um, kind of uh, deep dive that, that we should be learning from. And there are people who, are, who specialize in certain areas who kind of like already figure that stuff out with their work. Um, yeah. I figured a lot of that out, um, you know, through my work. But those are the, those are the things that we should be learning from mm-hmm. uh, rather than just, uh, um, you know, a quick free thing put up on YouTube uh, that says uh, how to <laughs> how to do something, and like maybe, uh, yeah, well, you got it done, but uh, right. not not the definitive way, right? You know, and and I do want to get back to the, to the optimizer and want to talk about that, but it's just like, but yeah, there there is a different like trade off in terms of like time, money, you know, like I love that point you made about uh, yeah, I could read two hundred free articles. And I might know what I'm talking. Like I might like get to the point to where I become a master, or I could just spend, uh, you know, an afternoon, you know, right. through a course that's like you know more definitive. Spend more time on it, and then I can get up to speed faster. Like, which one do you want to be? You want to spend like, you know, forever <laughs> like trying to get yeah. speed. And um, that's one of the things I love about uh, front masters. I don't want to talk about front masters all the time, but uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. but uh, they are my. I do work for them, but uh, I do. Uh, there were one of the people like I felt like in terms of courses is like you know I know you know I'm not a JavaScript expert, uh, and I keep on trying to learn JavaScript and get better at it. But it wasn't until like I you know sat through sat through all these like 20 plus days workshops like oh I finally understand the scope and the uh, landscape of JavaScript 
And so yeah. then I could start, you know, I'm a visual person, I'm a designer. And so I could start like filling in like, oh, okay, this is where things are, are connecting. And as someone who's been around, you know, the web before there was JavaScript, you know, there, I was like trying to piece together, you know, where I left off JavaScript and where those mm. connections are, are made. And so, um, and you get people who maybe write articles about JavaScript that are, uh, that just started like a year ago, you know, they don't know the, the, the legacy of what's right. happening beforehand. And so, uh, not that they need to know it, I'm just saying that that's better. But for my case, yeah. I need to know like the ramp up from like what I've known before and where we're going next. And so I, I, and I find that uh, very refreshing to learn and, and to understand that. And not that, you know, people need to have a workshop about like the history of the web because I, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but I find that's very, I couldn't agree more. I, I wrote an article about pixel density because I was just like, there are a couple really technical things out there, but yeah. nobody's, uh, it was actually for one of my courses. I was like, if I'm going to go into like UX workflows, like I just want people to have a great explainer for like what the hell 1X and 2X and 3X and 1.5X <laughs> and all that stuff and like why it exists. And it exists because of like a very digestible history that like I just told pretty quickly yeah. of like, you know, higher resolution displays and like, um, devices that fake it and why they fake it and just a little bit of that stuff. And, um, yeah, that, no, the history can be tremendously helpful for learning. It's also a story. Yeah. And like, as humans, we're programmed to remember stories more than just facts, you right. know? Right. Yeah. I feel like, uh, stories, like, I just, uh, we can get we can get totally on tangent off tangent here, but uh, yeah, but like I just feel like the history of the web is so is great, but I feel like also I'm kind of biased and actually like saw it, but um, but I also feel that people you know are people right and they this you know they have needs like they want like hey I just want to get my job done and leave yeah. at five p.m. or whatever and uh, you know like you know and just get the job done and so I totally get that, but in terms of education, I feel like. You know, if we could be succinct about like the history of the web in terms of like why the rationale of, of why we do things the way we do, it just helps so much in terms of yeah. the context, just knowing the context behind that. But uh, but yeah, but I do want to get back to the uh, optimizer and talk about like you know there is SVGO that's out there as an optimizer. Uh, why did you make your own optimizer? And it's free out there for people to use, which I find like it's totally awesome. Yeah, they have that. But like, why did you? Yeah. Make your own optimizer. Well, the first thing to mention is that I didn't set out to duplicate anything that was already out there. Yeah. Um, it was the cool thing about SVG is that unlike other formats like uh, JPEG or PNG, uh, it's it, it's not you can open up an SVG file and like understand the markup that you see. Um, the only things that SVG optimizers are doing is like making very clear Changes. So, for example, a, a really easy one to to imagine is um, when you write in an attribute. So, for example, you write an attribute for opacity, and then you write like zero point five for fifty percent opacity. Well, that zero before the decimal isn't actually necessary for. It's like optional, but it you know if you have a bunch of uh, of attributes that have zeros before decimals, you can cut down a little bit on the file size, just like ever so slightly. Um, there are optimizations that are that are far more impactful um, for the file size, and then some that don't aren't really so much for the file size, but more for the kind of reliability or kind of restructuring of the information itself inside an SVG. So, um, I set out to, I created SVGto with a few optimizations that aren't in SVGO. Um, and I love SVGO. I use it in the SVG OMG web app and, um, and it works really well after SVGto. So SVGto does, it has some optimizations that are more fundamental that are kind of more optional. So whereas SVG OMG or SVGO rather um, is just trying to kind of compress the file size and it has like 30 different options to, to do that. Um, I kind of wanted to say, well, maybe, you know, like it's really easy for a person to, to, to tell when their graphic looks wrong. <laughs> and sometimes, for example, fill rule attributes aren't necessary. 
the best way to do that is to um, have an optimization that um, can kind of figure out some easy cases where fill rule attributes aren't necessary, just remove them. And then also give you the option to just get rid of all of them and give you a little preview. And if it looks the same, then you're good to go. Um, and that's not something that would work on every file, uh, it's, but um, but it's uh, it can be really helpful like a lot of the time. Um, I also, I, the optimization that inspired me to create it was uh, Sketch changed how it exports borders a little bit. And there was like this one edge case that created a, a just like more markup than I thought was necessary. And so I got tired of making the changes myself <laughs> in the code. <laughs> and I was like, this is what computers are for. Right. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I mean, I'm continuing to add optimizations to it. And um, I think it's a, it's a, I mean, really it's just a free contribution to um, the design and development uh, community. It's it's uh, it works best with SVGO, and um, uh, you know I'm I'm happy to uh, that, you know that's the sort of thing that like I can create because because I'm selling uh, a course for uh, more than free, <laughs> um, and so I'm able to put some resources and time into creating a, a new tool. <laughs> well, yeah. So so it sounds like you know. Your optimizer is, you know, for people who, you know, you, you know, you work in Sketch, you know, you, you know, so if someone has a Sketch app, SVG, they take it out and then they just run it through your optimizer, and then they can also take it through SVGO, uh, and then see, see if they get any more savings out of that right file. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Fix fix a couple little things, and um, SVG is just so cool because when you open it up, it, like it's all right there. It yeah. says like I made a circle. It's red. And then I made this other like custom path, and like you can edit some text in there, and and so um, it's just a fantastic technology. <laughs> right. I want I want to get to that point where I can read SVG like I can HTML and CSS. That's right. I want to get a point like where it becomes like the matrix type of thing. Like oh man, you'd be surprised. It's uh, you're probably already almost already there. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I you know if it's a circle, I can definitely suss it out. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I think a little bit more complex. Like, oh man, is this a taxi cab? I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So, but yeah, but I like that because also uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, Google's new uh, optimizer for JPEG. It's uh, I'm gonna just butcher the name. I think Gitzel. I think it's uh, Gitzly. I think is 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 the name mm -hmm. of it. And so it's actually uh, it's not like a normal JPEG uh, compressor, but it kind of like it does A/B testing. Of your JPEG compressions, and so oh, it's so cool. it's a very slow process. It's not as like you jump it into Image Optim and it spits it out. Yeah. It takes for it, it it goes and does actual calculations based off of you know its own um, you know logarithms, and then it spits out a, a JPEG that's almost like forty percent smaller, like almost like by, you get like six percent of what the original output, yeah. and then you can actually run it again through Image Optim. And get like two percent more out of it, and I just like, wow, this is so amazing. Um, and especially like, you know, I think with the responsive web design is, you know, there's like been this embrace of line art, which is I think one of the yeah. great things that that makes Sketch so popular is that, that for vector illustrations is that uh, um, you know now with, we have like this big honking you know JPEG with with like as our main like poster frame for our websites, and so I was like, well, if we can just have the file size are JPEGs just by using this you know, new new logarithm, like you know this new optimizer. Like it's totally worth it uh, yeah. for doing that. So uh, yeah, so that, that's another thing. I like, think responsive web design. I think that's another reason why we have so much you know exploration into uh, SVG and and uh, and uh, you know line art to, to, to make it so. So and and it's really capable of 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 so much more. I um I feel like maybe maybe this is just uh, my own t taste, but I, uh, I think we're, we can, uh, we can graduate from, <laughs> from the line art era, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> in some ways it's really, it's really cool. And, uh, and it should continue to exist, um, as like a, as like one kind of illustration style. Yeah. Um, but the, 
there, there are so many things that you can create. Um, obviously you can put anything into a bitmap. You can create so much just with SVG with like live vector graphics in the browser, mm-hmm. um, that have blend modes on them and, mm-hmm. um, whatever, uh, whatever you want to create. There's, um, I think that, that digital design and the illustration that kind of factors into it is, is starting to graduate to, uh, to like realizing that, you know, it might be nice if we have a little watercolor I- illustration in there or something. And, and, um, that's good. We don't need everything to just look like it was perfectly made by a computer. Yeah. It's, it's actually really hard. I'm, I'm working on a project right now, um, where I've been cutting a bunch of stuff out of paper yeah. and then bringing it into the computer vectorizing and, oh, and nice. now putting it as SVG. Mm-hmm. It, it can be with entire website layouts, especially, but sometimes even within a graphic, it can be really hard to make something not look perfect right. like a computer made it and uh it's it, but it feels so much more warm and like human right um so yeah I totally, that's kind of what i'm interested in <laughs> yeah that's what, what i love it's like uh i was working in uh for like one of my first web jobs i was just like i needed an icon of a pencil and this is like and so but there was no you know icons of pencils that i liked online and so I actually went out of my like digital like office web office, went around to all the offices looking for, hey, do you have a number two pencil? Do you have a number two pencil? And then I found one, you know, at the front desk, and I was like, can I borrow this? And like, and they're like, sure, why? And of course, you know, I should have just told some BS answer, like you know, I filled out a Scantron or something like that. But I told her the whole entire <laughs> story of like, yeah, I'm going to scan. And so I basically took the pencil, scanned it in, took it into Photoshop, cleaned it up. And then, so I had an icon, and and it looked like a real pencil. It didn't look like this fake cartoony mm. pencil, like that felt, you know, that didn't yeah. feel well. So and um, and so like so, uh, you know, like this small office I was with, it was turned out to be like the story of the day. How I was so weird that uh, <laughs> actually, but I felt like that's really a great way of just like, uh, you know, taking your environment and putting it into to your work. And even so, like there's a tutorial that I loved was like um, I think I don't I think it was Trent. Walton did it, yeah. but I'm not really sure. But he actually took like, I don't know if it's him, but I felt like it feels like it's something he would do. But uh, he actually take a a pan and all the scr- scratch marks on a pan, scan that in, and then he has a texture mm. of that pan texture, and yeah. bring that in. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome to like just bring in your your organic nature uh, of your surroundings into your in your pan. And so and then, and um, and just look at photos for for textures and so that I felt like and, and they bring that into artwork. And so, um, yeah, it feels like a lot more like organic that way. And so I totally, totally understand it. But like, I think I'm kind of re- uh, reacting a little bit to, uh, probably delayed reaction to like, like delayed. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so I hope it's not come out, doesn't come out too much, but now, but like there was a time when, um, like just every website just like looked like a big honking photograph with vector right. icons with some texture underneath it. And I was just like, not every website needs to look like this. So, but, but yeah, I know we come a, come a long way. And so, and I feel like uh, I'm kind of uh, past the Cosby sweater of uh, SVG too. I'm kind of like, <laughs> like, oh, it's multicolored nineties. Like oh, I'm, I'm okay. We don't need the, we don't need to relive that decade. Sorry. But um, yeah, I think, you know, a huge part of like all, cause what we're talking about here is, is ultimately styles and right. fashions that, that come and go in digital design. And, and that's, um, I mean, I think that's a huge byproduct of, of not only what we, what else we see out there, but the tools that we're using. Mm -hmm. And, um, I always try to do as much as possible with pen and paper, um, uh, before jumping into the computer when it comes to determining, like, uh, when it comes to like drawing an icon or, or figuring out the style, um, I've, increasingly with my projects been looking uh to different design styles through history uh that might be really intriguing to to pull from and uh and it's not that our tools aren't capable of that but it's just not the default and it's just not for example like when you're making something for the web like computers want to make rectangles they want to make solid rectangles. Yeah. And that's, and like when you start trying to say, like, I want this to be at a funky angle, but I want like everything to just line up perfectly along it. You have to get into all of these hacks 
um, just to make a computer do something that like it goes a little bit against its grain. Right. Um, but the vis- the result of doing that is so much more interesting. And, and, um, and so I've been finding a lot of inspiration just by looking at like mid-century art, old lithographic posters from the 1920s and mm. in Europe or, um, uh, you know, diving a lot more deeply into typography and, and, and figuring out like, um, how that's going to inform the design of, of a site. Like me, there's a really cool italic and face that, and maybe like I'm going to um, reproduce its angle in the, uh, in the way that the website is laid out or something. And some cool ways that, that aren't the typical jumping off point for like uh, for a, a, a web layout or a, um, an app layout. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's cause I feel like that's, because you want every element of your website to uh, to describe the emotion that you want the content, the, like what the content is, what's the emotion. You want every, have every element be in resonance with what, what you're trying to say, and so and yeah, and it's not all gonna be like one big JPEG with vector icons. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah, and and there's a huge difference too. I, I've been reflecting on this a lot recently. There's um uh there's a huge difference between tool based design and kind of illustrative or marketing related design. Um, expo- you know, that's, that's an exposition for something. So when you need to use a tool like an app, if you're designing an app, like, yeah, you should, you better make sure that, that, um, efficiency and intuitiveness and, um, utilitarian like function is just at the core of your design decisions. But when you're making a website that might be for like illustrating the, the values of a company or something Mm -hmm. like that, then you've got far more kind of artistic Liberty that you can take. And sometimes the, sometimes the, um, you know, design should be simple and like, and minimalist and it should get out of the way and it should, um, like as little design as possible. Like I, I'm a big fan of, of in general, you know, my designs being very, uh, distilled in what they are, um, not being overly cluttered, but at the same time, we're not always making tools. We're not always making things that need to be so utilitarian. Like we can have some fun with, uh, with, uh, um, like a funky typeface or like things coming, um, like getting crazy with the layouts, like looking at old, I actually see web design in that way, like non tool, non user interface, Mm. um, web design as being a natural extension of graphic design. And, and so the more that we, those of us who are designing for the web, uh, can, can look at the history of graphic design. I think, I think it will, inspire a, a lot of, uh, of new digital design that like, yeah, like we're ready. It's our, our browsers are capable of this now. Like, you know, our, our design tools are capable of this now. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think definitely. Cause I feel like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like design, I totally agree with you. Like Dirk says, I feel like if it's supposed to be informative and get out of the way, like that's what your design is trying to say. Like, Hey, I'm not here. <laughs> like yeah i'm just not here you're here this is your time yeah. and uh and i felt like that's a language in itself like, like I, I like the idea of like calling it like app or tool-based uh design and then there's like you know the exploratory of nature of design where like you're know, like i think it's like a marketing design and i feel like that's like hey i'm here to tell a story yeah and i can and then the design elements can be more uh not flamboyant, but like just they're more part of the storytelling process and they can lend their voices to it. And then that's, that's where I, I, you know, so yeah, I think like, so definitely like, I feel like, you know, sometimes design is loud when it it can be loud and sometimes it's very quiet when it needs to be quiet and allow the other voices to come in. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And like art can play a huge role in, in that what you're saying is like a storytelling Mm -hmm. web design in a way that like, probably doesn't need to play as much of a role when you're, uh, when you're designing the interface for an SVG optimizer, right. for example. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 So like, I think we've come a long way. I'm not sure if you remember this or not, but, uh, I, I talked about it like a while back. I forgot which episode it was, but, uh, 
Kai Cruz, he created a, a tool called Meta Tools. And I think they got bought, like some part of them got bought by Adobe. But uh, his, he would come out with some funky uh, applications. And the user interface was really a part of your experience uh, with it. Because uh, part of it was, uh, uh, I think, creating 3D landscapes. Right for for like more mainstream consumerism, and so you would actually have like like touch these like you know it was all like computers back in the day, so it was like like three D forward objects. So you you move them, and depending on your movement of the orbs, you know it would change the view of everything like that. And so it was like a very organic uh, experience, but like 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 hey, I just want to get in and get out. Like and I was like like you know, right. <laughs> so I don't want to have to like get clunky with my interface and turn to get out. But yeah, so it's kind of funny. But uh, but it was very unique. But uh, in terms of a UI, but uh, but I want to get back to 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 sketch and talk about uh, yeah. what would you say would be like the major hurdles if someone who's like coming from Photoshop or Illustrator mm-hmm. or from the Adobe product realm in terms of like, hey, I want to get on board with Sketch. What would be like? What would you think? Which is kind of a tricky question because you've been you've done like three courses uh, already on Sketch, so you probably have like some some, some sort of so it's kind of like something that might be second nature. But what would you think is like the right. problems that you, people might have running into getting up and running with Sketch? So I think that the it it also it depends largely on somebody's on, on what somebody is used to designing in the Adobe tools because because they are like everything in the kitchen sink tools. Uh, they've been used for so many different things. If somebody is more used to um, a a less a less interface or a less screen-based design um, tool, and Sketch is very screen-based in terms of its feature set, um, then, then, then simply getting used to thinking of responsive layouts, and Sketch has been adding some really neat features in, 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 in that sense, um, uh, or thinking... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you mean by screen-based? Yeah, so screen-based being something uh, for something that ends up on a digital device um, with a screen. That could be a website, that could be an app, that could be some components within that, like a digital icon, um, something that exists on pixels, ultimately. And, and so Sketch is, is, is vector-based, um, but it, all of the measurements are in pixels. And, and so it's kind of like this, com- this hybrid between Illustrator and Photoshop in that way. And... And then it has features that are really, um, really familiar for anybody who's done a lot of screen-based designer development work. Um, so they've been adding a lot of responsive features. You can kind of lock something to to one edge, and and it will always stay locked to that um, to that edge. Or you can um, you have similar options for uh, putting for filling a, a photo into, um, say, a circle that you would have in CSS on the web. And, and so and you, you have blend modes in, in a way that, um, uh, not that, not that the Adobe tools don't have blend modes, but uh, I've found that the ones that are in Sketch, like the Adobe tools have some that are not in CSS, for example. Um, and then simply thinking about a a component based workflow with with symbols and with um, with certain shared styles. Uh, again, it's not that those are absent from the Adobe tools, and and shared styles have been or you know the equivalents have been really useful in, for example, designing books in in InDesign for for years. But they work a little bit differently and have some some different needs uh, when you're designing something that that's going to end up on a screen. So um, that is that's what I mean by kind of like a native screen based design tool. Um, so so thinking about responsive, thinking about um, component based uh, workflows, thinking about going between pixels and and vector, um, really just like one keystroke to switch between them. Um, and then one thing that that I think a lot of people uh, are not used to in the Adobe tools is the ease with which you can just duplicate an artboard or duplicate some layers and just kind of start creating a set, an, another variation of them. Right. It's a very flexible and open tool. Um, I 
I was at a typography conference recently and, and somebody asked if I had done my, um, had, if I had done my kind of uh, type mockups in sketch and it wasn't because of anything aside from how many I made because I made all these variations. I, I could make one and then just like kind of option drag my artboard and just start making some, some changes to it and then option drag again and, um, uh, go off in all of these fun directions in a way that it's not that you can't do that in an Adobe tool. It's just, it's not quite as efficient. So, um, the tool itself ends up having these fun effects on, on our workflows. Um, in terms of, um, you know, challenges and in, in diving into it, um, you, the Adobe tools expose a lot of buttons and a lot of palettes in, in kind of a, an airplane cockpit way. Uh, so you know that they're there. Uh, and, and it's a mistake to think that Sketch doesn't have uh, all of those capabilities or that, that it doesn't have many of those capabilities. It definitely doesn't have all of the ones that you'd find in, in a tool like Photoshop or Illustrator. But it has far more than you would, you would imagine by opening it up and just looking at the interface. It's very simple, um, but there's a lot of power in the menus. And then there's this thriving plugin ecosystem that can uh, that can fill in the gaps. So um, it's a tool that is simple on the outside. It's almost deceivingly simple. Uh, it, it doesn't look like a professional tool if you just open it up. Right. Um, but all of all of these like professional designers are using it to design the, some of the most important things that we use every day. I, I love that comment. Like it doesn't look like a professional tool, and I wonder. Uh, have we fallen into a trap of like what looks like a professional tool? Like, like I don't know, like what dark backgrounds? Dark backgrounds. Yeah, it's like what's with the dark background? Yeah, uh, but yeah, I have like I, with Adobe's uh, you know subscription model. I feel like they've you know they've they've kind of uh, they allow themselves to work more in terms of the onboarding process. And I really appreciate the onboarding, like with the the thought they put into their Adobe products for onboarding for new projects. However, it really gets in my way as <laughs> someone who's been uh, using uh, the product forever. is like, I don't need these options. I know where I'm going and, and what's going yeah. on. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of, I like, I like that, that question, that, that answer, like, you know, it doesn't look like a professional tool. Uh, that's, I think it's pretty funny uh, and uh, very, very astute. So uh, what, you mentioned plugins, like what plugins would you recommend? Uh, like what plugins do you use day in day, like day in, day out? Oh gosh. Um, I would almost have to fire up Sketch right now and look at my plugin menu. Uh, I would have to say that my the the most simple and utilitarian plugin that I love is uh, is called Rename It. <laughs> it's for renaming a bunch of layers, and it has some some cool features where um, you can uh, number things sequentially or uh, put into a layer into layer names um, the width or height dynamically of whatever artboard or layer that you um, that you're renaming mm -hmm. and uh, so it's kind of a, a way of of adding a little bit of logic and to this um, to multiple uh, to renaming multiple layers or artboards and it's just something that I end up doing all the time um, uh, another one that can be useful, especially if you're not diving super deeply into uh, into optimizing SVGs kind of by hand. Um, <laughs> if you don't take my course on uh, on SVG workflows and you don't learn everything about that, then at least uh, install Sketch's SVGO plugin. It will get you um, at least halfway to a to a to a good SVG. Um, so I'm a big fan of that one. Um, uh, or at least recommending that I, I, I kind of have it turned off because I do all my stuff uh, by flicking individual switches. The I love they've also got a plugin for automatically compressing bitmaps, and you know I've been bringing bitmaps into Photoshop's Save for Web menu yeah. for as long as I can remember, right. and I still do that occasionally when I need to squeeze every little ounce out of a PNG. But um, but as a result, like that's time consuming. I would maybe optimize, I, I would optimize a handful of the assets that I, that I created. And by having this automatically on, every single PNG, every single JPEG that I export out of Sketch just gets optimized really quickly 
it uses a bunch of the the stuff um, within uh, image optim uh, within image optim and uh, uh, a bunch of those same underlying technologies and uh, sure I could squeeze an extra ounce out in Photoshop but I'd far rather have like 100% of my bitmaps uh, compress than uh, than you know two out of a hundred <laughs> with like 10 kilobytes less um, and uh, here let me uh, let me jump into sketch real quick awesome. I use Flinto a lot for prototyping and they've got a great plugin um, so that's one that I uh, so I've never heard of Flinto before so Flinto is a uh, just an app for for is it just for is it uh, for documenting the interactions behaviors between layers? It's it's for um, designing the the interactions yeah. uh, between between like in in your uh, in your product in your app in your on your site. The uh, Flint is a prototyping tool that uh, allows you to kind of link together your uh, different screens, your different artboards, and in, in, in your design and add some really cool custom animations to them and figure out like how you should navigate through an app um, and and what and how to design those those transitions um, between different states or between different screens and there are a number of prototyping tools that are kind of up or that have popped up and Flinto is one of them uh, framer is is one that is uh, more reliant on code okay. um, more reliant kind of on JavaScript um, and so that takes a, that approaches prototyping from more of a code-based angle. Um, there's one that's pretty similar to Flinto called Principle. Um, I'm biased. I helped design Flinto, and <laughs> I I just think like especially if you're using Sketch, it's so the interface is is so similar in the ways that you would want it to be. In the ways that where you're like, I don't want to have to learn another tool. Mm. Um, I just want to like have a a I just want to have a tool that is instantly familiar and allows me to create very advanced things very easily. Right. And, and that's what, that's what Flinto does. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, yeah I definitely agree with like, like if you know the tool uh, and, and you can work with it, you know, the better. Cause I, uh, someone who's, who's a really, someone who I, I know is like, he was, he was one of our speakers in the past, uh, Phil Kaufman. He's a really great Photoshop uh, person. He, like he spoke at our, couple of events and he just i don't he knows photoshop better than i do and uh and he actually wrote an article about saying like i i've tried sketch i can't get it to work for me but i open up photoshop and i can get things done faster and that's like because he's invested his his time and resources over yeah. the years into it and I, like i had like hey you know this works for you that's great totally yeah so but yeah but like i could see like how we're like with flinto i totally agree also like i mean you probably worked help them work on the application you probably know it better than the other similar applications. <laughs> I do know it pretty well as a result, yeah. yeah. Um, one other plugin that, that came out recently, and it's far more than a plugin, really, it's a, it's kind of become its own tool, is called Abstract, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's it's basically, and this is, this is, I'm probably saying exactly what they don't want me to say, Okay. Um, but it's like GitHub for sketch files. Right. And uh, so it's version control, but they've taken it. They've added so many, so many more features and kind of collaboration uh, features than um, than you would get in kind of a simple GitHub um, repo setup. Um, I have. I, I think it's it's so essential if you're working on a team. Mm -hmm. um, and and I've I, I work a lot with um, with Git in the development projects that I, that I work on um, when I'm often working with, a, with another developer. And there are just so many things that a version control workflow mm -hmm. helps with. And um, you know, having a single source of truth, like a master branch, um, and then uh, not to mention just being able to go back and see the evolution of something that you designed. I mean, I have, for example, everything that I've done for Sketch Master, whether it's, uh, w which is my courses platform, everything that I've done from the logos to the interface of the, um, like when you're watching the courses, to the website design, to all of the icons, to promotional graphics, to, like, the list goes on and on. Yeah. All of that is in the same Sketch file. Yeah. I mean, 
the ability to kind of go back and see when something was done or or revert a change is is incredible. So abstract is really cool. Right. I'm super excited. It just came out recently. Right. Cool. Yeah. I I knew it was his, it was under uh, it was under beta. I thought that. Well, so I was waiting to hear I back. It's, I think it's out now. Okay. Cool. Nice. Yeah. It look, yeah. looks like it's you can sign up for it. I'm not sure if you yeah. can sign up for it. But yeah, I like really looking forward to that. But uh, but yeah, it's just, it's amazing how Git and GitHub has just revolutionized the project, uh, the world actually. Because uh, uh, I was speaking to my editor, I'm re- working on a book right now, and uh, uh, I used to work in Word <laughs> for for writing a book, and I was like, and uh, so now I'm just like, like now we're working in Git, and it just it's so awesome <laughs> just to be able to track changes and all that stuff with like that. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Cool. And I'm glad that, like so. So what does abstract have? I know you probably, I don't know if you know this or not, but like Paul, you've been working on it. So but, was, but while you're here, I was going to ask you like, what is the difference between, what are the advantages of using abstract versus like just putting your files into GitHub? Is it just that they're more in tune with SVGs or I guess, I mean. It's that, um, it's that uh, the sketch file format can't be read by git (laughs) so so basically it would just look like your whole file has changed okay um uh they've they've really deeply gone into the sketch file format and um for example there's 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 some really cool things so when you um when you change a symbol, which is like a reusable component that you might be using, like an icon, for example, that you're, you could be using in a hundred different artboards, a hundred different screens in your design. Um, if you change one thing on the symbol, it's not going to say that you just updated a hundred screens. It's saying, okay, you updated the symbol. Um, and, uh, and it's, so it's really smart in that way. And, uh, and then the kind of the collaboration and the commenting and the you know branch merging and all of that is uh, is pretty familiar with some additional features for Teams. Um, I've only been using it uh, for for a short while and and I do most of my work uh, independently. But um, it's yeah. I mean, the biggest reason that you wouldn't use Git is because you can't really right. use Git. Okay. Files. <laughs> I feel like, it, like that's a question, Chris. What are you talking about? But uh, yeah, so I feel no, like you wouldn't know if you hadn't tried it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, I heard about it, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna wait till it comes out. Uh, I think I signed up for the beta, but I didn't really get get into it. But uh, I didn't get accepted, so my 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 developer shame. But uh, uh, <laughs> I, I'm like, cool kids. But uh, yeah, cool. Um, I think it's pretty awesome with that. So. But yeah, I do want to circle back because I feel like also I do I do want to hear other plugin ideas, but I do like the idea of using Sketch for your iteration process and to be able to iterate, like you said, your slides earlier about being able to iterate. Because I feel like with responsible design, I feel like the the burden on designers, especially if you're freelancing, I just feel like you have to build multiple versions of the same website and to be able to like easily take an existing idea for a phone and stretch it out to a desktop to maybe a, an HD display. Like that's that's kind of great and then also to be tying that into like an abstract where you actually store all these ideas and uh and share them with other people that's that's pretty awesome so yeah i I would also make one other point which is that you know what we're talking about here are are certain things that uh that kind of help you create an ideal workflow Hmm. and um or an ideal process and sometimes and i've been finding this a lot recently like sometimes the process shouldn't be holy Mm -hmm. like the process should be unique to each project a little bit right and um and when you use the same process you end up often with the same result which isn't very inspiring um so in some projects that you need that structure again like when you're building a utilitarian tool you need a bit more structure or when you're working with a team you need more structure Um, otherwise it it's just chaos um and and yet the the I think what I'm finding really interesting is identifying when to break away from uh, from structure, Hmm. when to just like, and this is one of the great things that I love doing in Sketch, creating a new page, not even creating artboards. Like maybe I just want to design some icons or something, and I just or or a logo, and I just start creating layers randomly and duplicating them, and just kind of having this messy desk area, Mm -hmm. and 
uh, the more that you start adding to the same file, and if especially if you're collaborating with anybody, you start getting into this like, oh, well, if I make a change here, what if it's not right? If it's not the right change or um, these artboards don't fit into this whole layout that all means something based on um, it's like maybe you, you arrange your artboards horizontally for uh, for the progression through your app and vertically through the different states of each screen and and well, well, where am I gonna duplicate my artboard and make some playful changes? And what if I make a change that affects a symbol? And so I, I'm a big fan of just like having some, having some, um, having a messy area, <laughs> and that could be a different file. Right. But like, you, not version controlling something, right. you know, or uh, just like not renaming your layers. Like if those things are really important when you're collaborating or when you're kind of putting something into production mode, but they're, they really get in the way when you're just trying to, um, to generate ideas and be creative. And so, um, I'm a big, uh, proponent for figuring out like when, when you're in production mode and when you need rules and structure, and then when you can, when it's actually kind of getting in the way of your mm -hmm. creative, um, process right yeah i think definitely like you definitely want to don't want to like break in rules when you're when you're at the, like the start of a project or like or or you want to bring in a lot of like you know creativity into it like you know you know like you know you see that with like other other avenues like if it's screenplay you know you don't want to have like get too bound down to uh making sure your your words are correct or have typos or whatever you just want to just get the words on the page yeah just get them on there yeah first. and then and then re revise and revise i mean you know, you know, and so yeah, I definitely see like with with rules and so and it's also process. I love the idea of like not the like, concept of not keeping a process holy, because <clears throat> like you know, you know, and I'm guilty of that too. Where like you know we we need to put things in process, and like I think you should have a, a one or two like a process in place, but also not be beholden to it and and say like hey, you know, and and that's because I feel like having a process in place is also great because sometimes you wake up and you're like you don't want to remember what you just did, <laughs> like you're, like you just. Like, you forget what, how you did things. You want to, yeah. you want to re, re uh, and that's what great for computers are great for automation. They actually, like you actually have to put into process and, and write, you know, write code to, to remember things. But sometimes, you know, having the multi steps, you know, to do that. And also when to, when it, where the breakout is, is very important too. So, uh, cool. And I do that a lot in, in development too. Like, if I the the farther along I have a web project, for example, the 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 less likely I am to um, you know write some experimental code <laughs> and add it to it. So I end up doing a lot of making a lot of code pens. I'm like, well, here's just like, like this one little responsive layout, and I just need to figure out. I kind of need a messy area that I'm not going to affect the rest of the site. So I'll spend a day like engineering one thing in a code pen, and then. Um, and then I kind of integrate it later, but without that sandbox, it's it's difficult to play. And and uh, when we're not playing, we um, we create boring stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then that goes back to our earlier conversation about like our design being dictated by our tools and not being able to like yeah. jump ship and like actually go to a copen and say like, okay, what if we had this? What if we had that? And yeah. uh, and experiment too. So definitely say that. So are there, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but because uh, I love. I love plugin lists, especially for people who are masters of uh, of their of their tools or have, or have taught their tools uh, for 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 their for the courses and stuff like that too. So, any other tools after after Abstract? Any plugins that you recommend? Hmm. Um, I think those are the those are the biggest plugins that I use. Okay. A lot of people are fans of Craft, and I think they're they're doing some really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's not actually a really big part of my workflow. Mm -hmm. um, I've also had some used some responsive design plugins in the past that are becoming, um, for better or for worse, a little more obsolete. As Sketch adds some of those features in, yeah, um, yeah, and to uh, rename it. So, so yeah, to to summarize some of those, rename it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Flinto uh, is is just so such a, an easy extension of Sketch for prototyping, um, abstract for version control. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the uh, the bitmap and the SVG uh, compressor plugins um, are great. Yeah, there's there's such a healthy plugin community. There's this really cool one called Looper yeah. that creates all of these abstract designs that kind of just continue um, patterns and 
in ways that like only a computer would would create. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that one up. That's awesome. So, cool. Awesome. Uh, I think this is that's a good stopping point. Uh, can you? Uh, can you tell people where to where they can find your courses and find you online? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the easiest way to find links to just about everything that I do is on sketchmaster.com. Uh, if you scroll down a bit toward the bottom, there's a link to my own website uh, and to my Medium articles and to my Twitter. Uh, and that's um, that's where all the courses are. And and. Yeah, all of my articles on Medium are, are up for free. And um, Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for taking time today. I really, and, and I really appreciate you being on the show today. It really, it's, it's awesome. Thank you. Happy to chat about this stuff. It's great.